episode one, the origin story. Welcome, John. Thank you. My co-host, and welcome to everyone to Out of the Main. Out of the Main. A Yacht Rock podcast mm-hmm. for and about Yacht Rock lovers, aficionados. Um, we're going to get into origin stories today. So obviously we're going to talk through the origin story of the podcast. Uh, but I thought it would also be fun if you and I each talked about our own origin story as okay. people who from two different eras who uh, probably discovered Yacht Rock in two very different ways at very different times. Yes. So, um, but of course, we should talk just a little bit about the origin of Yacht Rock itself. And as somebody who is the elder statesman <clears throat> among us, mm. you are probably closer to the resident expert than I am. So I thought we'd start there. And Okay. Be sure to stick around because like anything else from the 70s and early 80s, there is a lightning round at the end. So <laughs> <laughs> that will be fun and that will be a fixture of the show. So yep. we're hoping you guys will join in on that. So so origin story. So every okay. good uh, superhero, every good right. comic has a horde, uh, an origin story. Villains have origin stories. And of course, Yacht Rock does too. But what I find so interesting about Yacht Rock is that it's sort of a retroactively applied moniker. It's not something that existed like in the moment right. as identified as such, but um, everybody knows what it is, kind of, and it's kind of like how the senator once described pornography. It's like, you know it when you see when it, you see it. Yeah. but it's kind of hard to define. So, what do you, I mean, what have you heard? So, you lived through the era. Yes. Um, but you didn't discover it as, quote-unquote, Yacht Rock until, what, the last few years? Yeah. Um, I mean, I will go into my origin story a little bit later, but um, my first... I guess recognition of what it was or even a, a term was on Sirius XM when they started launching their Yacht Rock station, which I think is where a lot of people, that's like the door that a lot of people come in through. Uh, and then you begin investigating, well, why is it called Yacht Rock? And maybe that leads you to uh, a Google search or whatever. And you find out about the, um, I guess the mockumentary documentary. I don't know exactly what to classify that as that was done. I think roughly around, was it 2005? Yep. Yep. Um, the independent uh, films uh, series and um, where they kind of were able to sort of look back and define this thing that they called Yacht Rock. They invented the term. Um, we want to give them credit for that. But um, it was this era uh, that was happening and uh, the, I guess the time frame is roughly between 1976 and 1984. And that really is like the last um, great era of session studio musicians. I mean, that is according to Steve Lukather in his book. He says that um, they were really the last of these gangs of studio musicians that played on everybody's records. There had been other, uh, before them, there had been like the Wrecking Crew and uh, The Section and um, Tom Scott's... Uh, Tom Scott had his own group that uh, played with Joni Mitchell. And all. Well, anyway, they, they were these guys, and they would play on everybody else's stuff. And these were the finest of the finest musicians. And then the producers were the finest of the finest producers. And the mixers and recorders were just, everything was done with a sheer, just a sheen of perfection, a, a virtuoso... Um, Way of playing. Um, the attention to detail is something that I know is when I grew up in the 80s, by the time 90s 
came around, it was all about let's let's not have so much perfection and attention to yeah. detail because that makes it unhip. And right. the cooler, the the worse we play, the cooler we are, type of thing. Yeah, yeah, which was definitely a departure. So for me to go back and then discover it retroactively, it's really a marvel to listen yeah. to some. Of so this. when this genre was defined, it really centered around a few specific artists, uh, namely uh, Kenny Loggins, Michael McDonald. Uh, Christopher Cross, um, Toto, particularly more really the the individuals who were in Toto played on all of these records, more so than the actual Toto music is really considered Yacht Rock. It's the, all the stuff that they all played on. And it really grew out from there that they defined these various characteristics that it had to have, which is, as we said, the virtuoso, the, the wonderful production, the horn arrangements, the attention to detail, the technical aspect of it. Uh, they talk about things like having that certain, uh, well, the the inventors of the term called it the doobie bounce. It's that, sh- those halftime shuffle grooves. And it's just, it's this wonderful, light, yet complex music that, uh, again, it's hard to define specifically. There have been lists put together, very specific lists that say whether a song is or isn't yacht. And that's all good, and that's really not what we're dying to do here as much as we're dying to say, okay, we understand what Yacht Rock is. We give all credit to that, but we want to grow your playlists beyond the staples that you're going to hear maybe if you just flip on a generic Yacht Rock playlist. Right, which I call the standards. Yes. Right, and we all know what those are, and there's lists, like you said, out there. Maybe we'll link to some of them in the show notes. But going back to the documentary briefly, so I think that can all be found if you just go to YachtRock.com. It's all there. There's, you know, who the guys are that invented it. You can access the documentary that way. Um, it's interesting that they chose the term yacht rock because if they really did come up with a, a term, I think they like nailed it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because even not having any idea, the first time I heard it, I pictured, you know, this older guy mm-hmm. on a yacht mm-hmm. listening to the music he grew up with. So maybe in his 60s. And, you know, he's a little prim and proper. So he liked lot, light rock back yeah. in the day. But he can't rock too hard, but it can't be too, you know, saccharine either. Exactly. Yeah. And just reliving the glory days, maybe a midlife crisis. That's yeah. what I picture. Yeah. So like the name is perfect. Um, but it's not to be confused with boat music, too. A lot of times if I say I'm yeah. into Yacht Rock to someone who's never heard of it, they think Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, it's not Jimmy Buffett. No. no. Or they think of um, Harry Belafonte or yeah. stuff, reggae. It's yeah. not that stuff, no. which obviously most of the people listening to this podcast understand. But it's important to make that distinction because... It is a certain sound, but it's also a lot of different certain sounds together because I feel like there's strains of it. Yes. If you talk about like Boss Skaggs, that to me doesn't sound anything like John Ford Coley, that whole strain. And there's different strains of it. And then you put it together and it all makes sense. You take it apart and you examine the parts and the parts don't seem to go together. But yeah, there's also a definitive West Coast sound that is not necessarily Yacht Rock. Traditionally, Yacht Rock was produced... Uh, West Coast LA stuff, though not exclusively, but more specifically. But that doesn't mean that everything produced out there during that time, every light rock tune is not a yacht rock tune. Right. Yeah. So, all right. So, going back to that era, you said yep. 76 to 84. Some, I think right. some even more tightly defined it as 78 to 82, but that's a okay. really narrow slice. Um, and like you said, we're not so hung up on the precise, you know, definition and being the arbiters of what it is or what it isn't, but it's a good sort of, sort of frame of reference. So going back to that, because you mentioned the Toto guys, yeah. like that, when I first figured it out, was a huge eye-opener to me because I had, I mean, I figured that they had played, I think what I had heard in the past was that these guys were session cats that came together and eventually formed their own band, but I had no idea the extent to which their tentacles kind of spread throughout 
almost everything that was being recorded in this specific kind of style back then. It's crazy. Yeah, and I, I always kind of wonder, I've never really done the research, maybe someone has, um, who played on more uh, Yacht Rock tunes. Is it Steve Lukather or is it Jeff Percaro? I mean, it's it's got to be a close one and a 1A, but they've got to be the number one and the number two. Um, but Jay Graydon uh, is one of the grandfather producers of uh, the genre, and he was really hip to those guys, brought them. In fact, he brought Lukather up sort of through the, taught him the, the whole session guitarist ropes and then kind of handed over his gig book to him as when Jay uh, went on to start producing. So Jay had been doing all the session stuff, and when he was ready to move on, he kind of handed the book off to Lukather. So. Yeah. It, what's amazing, too, I'll, I just pulled up an example of sort of the where it wasn't just the rock genre, too, because Quincy Jones, when he was recording things like Michael Jackson, yeah. and then this example I'm about to cite, he was pulling all these same guys in, which is shocking because I you know, I heard a song yesterday that it is, I think, on the fringe of Yacht Rock, but I included it in my playlist because I used to love it growing up, and that's Baby Come To Me by Patty mm-hmm. Austin and mm-hmm. James Ingram. So it just, to me, it felt like it was Yacht Rock. So I look up the personnel. Um... James Ingram, Patty Austin, obviously. Backing vocals, Michael McDonald. <laughs> guitars. Do you even remember the guitars on that song? Not really. Is it Luke there? Yeah. Yep. Drums, John Robinson. Yeah. Um, He's done a lot, too. I yep, don't know a lot about him, but I see his name a lot. And, of course, there, yeah. then there's a Fender Rhodes player. And so it seems like whenever I'm pulling up personnel, because it seems to re- I recognize the sound, even if, like I said. Did you say who the bass player was on that? The bass player was, you want to guess? Abe Laboreal. No, but that, that's what I would have guessed, too. Eddie Watkins. Okay. Yep. Well, because it's got that bass line you love, which we'll get to later. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes it does. It sure does. And that's what led me to actually to pull it up. I'm like, all right, this has got to be the same guys. Mm-hmm. And most of them were. I was surprised that the drums were not Jeff Picaro, but it may have been too late um, when it came out. So anyways, that just shows you that it was, when I said spread, spreading their tentacles, they were everywhere, these guys. And not just these guys, but right. other guys as well, like right. that, these session cats. And it... it it extended beyond what we consider Yacht Rock because they were playing on the Thriller album. Right. right, and Thriller and Off the Wall before that. Right. So do you think it ended in 82 or 84? Or uh, Obviously, we don't think that today, but do you think, can you find a certain time when you're like, all right, that's kind of when it ended? Yeah, it, I think that, um, I always had this thing about 80s music, I'm a, an avid lover of 80s music, but I always say that after 85, the decline starts to happen really sharply. And a lot of that, I think, had to do with um, more and more the drum machines and the sequencers were getting better, and therefore they were taking on a bigger and bigger role. Early on, maybe you would use a drum machine, but everybody else would play live on top of it. Um, and it would be a lot more live sounding. When you got into the late 80s and stuff, so much stuff was programmed then I think that's where the genre starts to fall because you don't have the session guys. Or if you or or if you did, you brought a guitar player in to play over a pre-sequence track, and it doesn't have the same mojo as these guys grooving together. Because these guys, not only were they great at playing together, but they knew each other so well. 
you know, so they had, they had long histories of kind of building this vibe together that they knew what the other one was going to do. It's not just random guys being plugged yeah. and put together, you know. So I wonder, so like when you say 85, so the technology yeah. became available and then it became sort maybe it became economical, I guess, yeah. maybe. But then it became part of the art form of the 80s to actually have distinctively and purposely fake sounding instrumentation mm-hmm. to create right. a whole new sound, which we won't get into. But that's sort of. So they didn't need these guys. They didn't right. need these they, guys. Or, or even want them for yeah stylistic reasons. Right. Stylistic reasons, which, you know, maybe then we could segue into our own personal. Yeah. So let's hear yours. Origin story. Cause mm-hmm. We're kind of getting there. Exactly. Yeah. So I was born in 70. Um, so if we're going to say the tight time frame of 78 to 82, I was eight years old at the beginning of that in 12 years old at the end or six and 14, whatever, you know, when you're six or eight years old, how much control do you have over the music you listen to? Right. <laughs> or do you even care? Right. Uh, so you're either listening to what your parents listen to. You're listening to ch- children's music nowadays, but I don't even know how much that existed back then. Or you're listening to what your older siblings listen to. So I didn't really have any sort of conscience consciousness around what I was listening to until the time I got to be about 12 or 13, which I think is typical. And then I started having my own tastes. At 12 or 13 is 82 or 83. Mm-hmm. We're starting to now get to the point where the British second British invasion's coming along and now there's this whole new cool sound. Right. That this is my first memory of deciding what I wanted to listen to was um, concurrently interestingly enough the Thriller album I think was my first album along with Duran Duran and Men at Work. So yeah. you can kind of see where things were going right. for me. And then I became just immersed into the, we called it New Wave back then, mm-hmm. that sound, and I just fell in love with it. And to me, that was music. So for the longest time, when I thought of music I grew up on, I would think of you know Depeche Mode and New Order and U2 and what eventually became Alternative. And then my origin story for Yacht Rock was actually an interesting one. About five years ago, I have a friend who has a pool and likes to blast music at the pool deck. <laughs> and f- for the first few years that he owned this house, he would play, I guess you could simulcast what was being played at the pool deck of the W Casino in Las Vegas. It was kind of like this, kind of this chill techno, okay. really cool vibe. In one year, we go there, and he's not playing that, and he's blasting these songs that are like sort of these kitschy party songs sort of from my youth. This is how I'm, you know, processing it at the time, and it's, you know, I really want to see it at night, and it's sailing, and mm-hmm. it's Kenny Loggins, you know, heart to heart, and I'm like, holy crap, like, all of this, like, this wave of nostalgia rushed over me. I'm like, this stuff Yeah, you're is- amazed at how many of those songs you remember, though you swear you never listened to them when you were younger. <laughs> exactly. So that's what's so cool about the genre, which I'll get to, I think this is, because I've got the sort of five stages of yeah. Yacht Rock, that um, one of which, the second stage is this nostalgia, but... It was interesting because I was like, oh, my God, I instantaneously love all this music. I'm sort of discovering it for the first time, but yet it's so familiar, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, the appeal of it for people who discover it. It's like, whoa, I know all this stuff. And so it was the following spring. We're down in Florida with the family, and we're coming back from a day at the pool and the beach and the beautiful sunshine. And I needed some music to kind of chill to while we took showers and got ready to go out to dinner. And I remembered that. I don't remember if it was this friend of mine that introduced me to the term at the time, or I just kind of discovered that that what I was listening to was Yacht Rock. So I put Yacht Rock in the Pandora and just let it play. And the second wave of nostalgia shoots over (laughs) me. I start hearing Ambrosia and Firefall and all this great music. My wife gets out of the shower. She says, what is that wonderful music? This is like the soundtrack of my childhood. (laughs) And she's younger than me. yeah. Right? So 
that was when I was immediately and forever irreversibly like just immersed mm-hmm. of like this is the best stuff and then you start rediscovering all these quote unquote new songs and each one after the next is memorable because you remember listening to it but for me it was like all through osmosis like I could even sing all the lyrics and I don't remember when I ever intentionally listened to that music so that's that was my then to a certain degree we're sort of starving for music that has musicianship and sophistication now and so it, that timing of that's perfect per- perfect yeah because I've sort of run out of I you know I like to joke that all of my favorite rock bands are turning into machines yeah. which is true because even the ones that used to play guitars and drums and, and bass five. in the 90s <laughs> yeah, Maroon 5 Train <laughs> um, even Need to Breathe yeah. um, uh, Better Than Ezra all these sort of alternative rock bands that I like you know are now pressing go and you know instead of actually playing the instrument so you're right so now it's like I've just rediscovered the genre, and now I want to immerse myself more into it, which we'll come back to in a minute. So that's my okay. Yacht Rock origin story. But yours has got to be different because you were growing up contemporaneously with the, the music that was coming out. Yeah, so born in 65, you know, that puts me at 11 years old in 76. Um, I probably really started paying attention to music at maybe 12 or 13. I was kind of a late bloomer by comparison to most of my friends, but... Uh, you know, so say by the mid-70s, um, mid to late 70s, I'm starting to discover stuff. And most of my friends, you know, where we lived, were into much more of the hard rock stuff. It was Van Halen. It was um, Frampton Comes Alive. It was Queen. It was stuff like that, you know, BTO. Um, and, you know, I liked all that stuff, particularly Boston. And, you know, there's uh, a lot of lush things about Boston that would never be called Yacht Rock. But there are some, uh, you know, some things that sound very West Coast there. I suspect you we'll know. come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, you know, but it, in my secret listening at the house, I was putting on Chuck Mangione. I remember wanting to see England Dan John Ford Coley when they played on, you know, whatever it was the Glenn Campbell show or maybe it was Mike Douglas. I don't know. You know, wanting to see those guys. Seals and Cross, another one. Um, I remember trying to defend uh, Summer Breeze to my friends because <laughs> it, has, it has this cool, like, listen to that rock guitar lead in there, you know, <laughs> you know any, anything yeah. to try and gain acceptance. But that's what I was into, you know. So. By the late 70s, you know, I started drumming, yep. and um, so I didn't take any lessons, and I just kind of learned by uh, playing along with records and stuff. So I studied, just put on something and tried to imitate what the drummer was doing, and most of it was rock drummers. You know, it was, um, you know, I got to play along with Boston. There was, uh, of course, you know, attempted Neil Peart, attempted uh, Phil Ehart from Kansas and all that stuff, And but as I f- kind of established my own feel then i discovered this other sound like oh maybe you know i never found that i really was a chops kind of drummer and i said well i like what this guy's doing and that guy happened to be jeff percaro another one that was very similar to him at that time was steve gadd both were kind of doing that real groove thing um very very analytical cerebral type drummers lots of little detail lots of clever ideas but never trying to show and, and take over the track and I said oh that's you know that's definitely what I want to be well I was going to say spoiler alert that's yeah. exactly what you ended up becoming yeah so. well not as famous certainly not as good but um, so anyway fast forward then to a, probably about 2017 and I'm at the same place that you were in terms of being thirsty for new music you know I kept finding the occasional new nugget here and there but I grew frustrated and just decided well I'm going to just kind of go back start looking back I was buying up vinyl again and you could buy, you know, these records, one, two, three dollars, you know, uh, at the time around 2018 or so, you know, you're still getting some of this stuff. And I found that I was finding more by looking back 
than looking forward. Yep. You know, and um, at the same time as when I stumbled across, as I said, Sirius, and it introduced me to what Yacht Rock was, and I went through a, a whole kind of marathon where I was listening to nothing but Steely Dan, the whole catalog, top to bottom, top to bottom, and then Doobie Brothers, top to bottom, you know, <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget, by the way, the text that you got or that you sent me, like 2018. Are you familiar with and do you like the concept of Yacht Rock? Yeah. Which was the precursor to this podcast, but we'll come back to that. So, yeah, the timing was perfect. Uh, And I became an avid listener of um, Inside Music Cast Radio, which is an internet radio station, and they are devoted to this genre of music, not necessarily Yacht Rock, but the sophistication of that. And so they'll do like a Steely Dan marathon. They do Toto Tuesdays. They do a whole weekend where they dedicate to nothing but tracks that Jeff Percaro played on that aren't even Toto tracks. And I discovered so much stuff that way. But on Inside Music Cast, I discovered the band State Cows, a Swedish Mm. band. And I looked into them and started listening to their stuff and realized that they were contemporary. They're making this stuff now. Yeah. You know, and so I, I took some notes. I actually went onto their website and they described themselves as one of the very few modern yacht rock West Coast AOR bands that creates new original music. And then here's the best part they say smooth guitar lines, halftime shuffles, funky bass lines, slick harmonies, real fender roads, tight horn sections, and some California sunshine. It's all in there. And I said, okay, now th- that's that's what I want to do. Right. And these are a bunch of Swedes. These are Swedes. Who le- live in probably the, the bleak, overcast, frozen tundra. Yeah. For most of the, but they've nailed it. Yeah. And they, they, they inspired me to say, this is kind of what I want to do. You yeah. know, I don't care if there is a market for it or isn't a market. Found out that there probably is. Yeah. But that's when I put together the band Page 99 that I'm uh, kind of just launching right now. So. Right. That whole thing brought me to finally, at uh, you know mid fifties age, finally making the music that I feel like I should have been making back when I was thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Yep. So wow, full circle. Yeah. You know, I wanted to go back to something that you touched on, which I think maybe explains part of this huge like emergence of this real ardent fandom for some. Anyway, it's not a, you know, not everyone in the world even knows what this is yet, but the people who have rediscovered, I think there's one of the chief reasons why, and I'll speak for myself as somebody who had to sort of retroactively discover it for the first t- or you know for the first or second time, really, but. There, when you talk about the, for me, the 80s, right? If I decided by the late 80s, like you did, that I wanted to go back in time and listen to this awesome musicianship from the 70s and early 80s, there didn't exist a radio format for that to happen. No. It was classic rock. So anyone that looked back in time, Again, generalizing and speaking for myself, but I bet it's true. When they think of the 70s and 80s, they are thinking of Journey, Boston, Led Zeppelin, The Stones, all of the stuff that you would hear on quote-unquote classic rock stations. But there was no radio format, and there really was no specific radio format. You can expand on this, but it's not like back in the 70s and 80s you were turning on, you know, W-Y-R-R, Yacht Rock, right? <laughs> yacht Rock Radio. There was Light Rock. Yeah. There was Easy Listening, yeah. which in in our market, you know, was very famous and very popular, but it wasn't exclusive to this sound. So it didn't, there was no radio no. format then for it, at least one home, and there was no radio format for it now retroactively until the launch of like Sirius, satellite radio, internet streaming, and you know, things like Spotify, which allows us yeah. to create our own listening, right? Well, there's a little spoiler alert. Yes. Um, but, yeah, at the time, it was 
rock radio or there was, I guess, easy listening or adult contemporary. A lot of this stuff would have been played on adult contemporary radio. Um, here in Detroit, it was WNIC. Yep. And that's where you'd hear Kenny Loggins. You'd hear the Michael McDonald era of uh, Doobie Brothers. You'd hear Little River Band. You'd hear you know things like that. But what's interesting is that you there really wasn't a place for it on rock stations. You know, I always felt Toto was a band that didn't really have a station. They weren't considered cool by the rock guys. Mm-hmm. And a lot of their stuff was too heavy for uh, adult contemporary radio. And, you know, the, uh, you know talk about... Um, the Doobie Brothers and how quickly rock radio dropped them as soon as they started hearing the Michael McDonald. I mean, yeah. he, he is probably the captain of the boat for most <laughs> people in terms of yacht rock and um, absolute legend status. And rock radio couldn't dump him fast enough. You right. know, him and his roads. Think about easy listening stations. You would hear some of the stuff that we're describing, but it would also be opposite Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand right. and things like that. So it wasn't a true home for this. Right. And now we found the true home. And I think that speaks to why people are just totally into it um so interesting so now that's our origin story i think you and i are both sort of on this next phase and so you know i I share with you that i have this five stages of yacht rock yes and kind of like the five stages of grief um and i think what we're going to try to do is create a sixth stage so the the five stages as i see them are you know first is discovery Mm -hmm. right holy crap right where's this been my whole life and I, i think the very first reaction to that is the second stage of nostalgia which is oh i want to go back and listen to all this stuff again and so you do you you really fall in love with this is it and you know uh what a fool believes and all of the quote-unquote standards right but then at a certain point that nostalgia becomes an actual love for and appreciation of the art form because one of the other texts you sent me after you asked if I knew of Yacht Rock you said do you like it for the nostalgia or do you actually like it for the musicianship and Mm -hmm. I said well I think you said at first it was nostalgia but now I'm recognizing the the, the musicianship of it yeah it hooked me because of the nostalgia but then as a musician you know we're both musicians so and you're a producer you appreciate all of the nuance and then you start realizing wow was this stuff really really good and difficult to execute i know how difficult difficult to execute (laughs) yes especially once you get past the obvious songs you know and you start getting deeper into a steely dan catalog or finding some of this music that you only listen to because you like the hooks but now you're listening to it because it's got the toto cats in it and you're Mm -hmm. like wow right so that's i think the love affair stage three and then stage four is this complete immersion (laughs) which is what i did and i've heard other people do whether that's all you listen to yeah to the point where I'm apologizing to the wife. like, am I playing too much Yacht Rock? Yeah. Thankfully, she loves it. So <laughs> the answer is usually no, but I think it's probably she's just being nice. Um, and once you get fully immersed is when you reach you know, this point of stage four where I'll call it despair. And I think of um, the old saying about Alexander uh, the Great, who upon witnessing the breadth mm-hmm. of his domain, he wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. Right. And I hear people say all the time, well, we're listening to the same 100 or 200 songs over and over right. again, and there's nothing new. And that should not be the final stage. So there should be six stages, in my opinion, which gets to why we're launching this pod- podcast in our origin story for the podcast, which is stage six is exploration, and then you're back to discovery again. Right. Which then, and so now you and I are both, you're probably further ahead than I am, but we're both at this exploration phase, which for you started with this, uh, the website that you talked about earlier. Yeah, Inside Music Cast. Yep. Yeah. And then Discovering State College. So what what sort of your, your, if your origin story started in 2017, now we're in 2020, where are you now? Definitely in that um, discovery place. Um 
I, I can't believe that there's still stuff from back in the 70s and even early 80s that I haven't heard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it amazes me when a song comes on and it's got all of the jewels of what we consider Yacht Rock. And yet I say, I have never heard of this. Yeah. Now, granted, that might be that these songs were more popular in Europe and we didn't get, it didn't hit our radio here. Um, but I'm trying to find um, new stuff now. I mean, there, thankfully, there are artists that are making some of that stuff. You know, I mentioned what we're doing with Page 99, State Cows. Um, you know, Bill Champlin is still busy. He's working, you know, with, he's got that CWF uh, album, Champlin, Williams, and Freestet. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff is very, very good. Uh, it, I know Randy Goodrum just put out a new record. Um, Steve Lukather's got something in the works. Lukather has his solo record that he's been teasing, and it's including Toto Guys. Paige is supposed to be on it. Joe Williams is supposed to be on it. Um, so it's not going to be officially a Toto record, but um, he also made some comment that it's going to be a lot more free and easy, not as aggressive. Most of his solo <laughs> records are pretty aggressive rockers, you know. But I'm sure so, if they're responding to the moment in the appetite, right? So I would imagine this stuff that comes out is going to be more yachty than... And, you know, if we want to talk about a blessing of the COVID era that these guys are, you know, they're not touring. Right. And so they've got to get their musical, you know, energy out somehow. Yeah. Well, and going back to my own uh, stage four of immersion, uh, one other project that I hope to launch in the spring, which is my own personal Yacht Rock project that you're helping me yep. record and arrange and write. And since you're you're more of the aficionado on the genre itself, you're sort of shaping that. Um, but, you know, you have a problem when a Yacht Rock song comes to you in a dream. Which is what happened to me, and I, I woke that was up. Most of them. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, the, the one in particular, I was on a beach, and there was a um, you know, sort of a burnout-looking dude listening to this uh, little transistor radio, and a song was coming out of it. And when I woke up from the dream, I'm like, "What was that song?" It was, I think, it was a Manjoni song or something. I started singing it to myself, and I realized it was nothing that already existed. So mm-hmm. I wrote it. So right. that's coming out too. So. That's what uh, why we're here on this podcast is we're hoping to you know continue stage six not only for ourselves but anyone who wants to join us um, and help us discover new things. Um, I'll just point out you know before we go on to our lightning round here to wrap yeah. up that a good place to discover this stuff, a couple good places. I'll give you my favorite, which is a recent discovery, is the Yacht Rock Miami, which is an internet radio stream. Love the Yacht Rock Miami. Boy, do they, and I hope we can get them on as guests yep. um, because, boy, do they, they go into the depth, if I can continue my uh, Yacht Rock puns, uh, and they find stuff, even stuff that I've never heard of but love, but also things that still fit into, oh, my God, I forgot this existed. I thought for sure I'd already heard everything that was going to be rediscovered, and I'm rediscovering, quote, unquote, new things every day. Yeah, and then there's um, on Spotify um JD, is it Risnar that uh, the inventor of the term yacht rock? They have their own. He has his own list up here called Yacht Rock hyphen Certified Playlist, and it is twenty eight hours long. So he's gone way beyond the original parameters that he set forth. And so this is a really interesting list. So maybe I don't know if we were able to share that out eventually. Yep. We'll put that in the show notes too. And if JD happens to listen, we'd love to have him on as a guest as well as the inventor of the the term. Um. So that are all of the origin stories. I think we covered mine, yours, its, and now the podcast. So I've been waiting to do the the lightning round. Can we do that? Yep. Go do the lightning (laughs) round. Fire it up. Okay. Lightning round. We're just going to go through. We have three different uh, categories that we are going to do each time. We are going to uh, 
without any preparation, we're going to pose a song to each other and give a sort of a, just a quick gut reaction on whether you consider this artist to be yacht or not. Right. We're going to offer up a buried treasure, uh, something that is from a yacht rock genre artist probably, but maybe something that's a little below the radar, whether it's a deep cut or just maybe a forgotten song. Mm-hmm. And what was part three? Part three, I think, was we're going to create our own list of yacht rock. So the, where the first thing is, is it yacht or is it not? That's our first round in the lightning right. round. Um, we're purposely not stealing somebody else's convention, yacht or not, which is very popular out there. But I feel like we have to borrow it for the third round, and is which is when we're discovering songs that clearly aren't, and will admit, are not in the yacht rock genre, but probably could at least still be adjacent to right. it because it, maybe it doesn't fit the era or specifically the sound or maybe the artist itself doesn't feel right. like they belong. What, but if you want to grow your playlist, pop this in there and just, just let it commingle with everything else you got. Yep. Yeah. Or maybe create a new playlist, which is what we're going to do with the submissions that we create and then user submissions. We're going to create a playlist on Spotify called Yacht Rock. Ooh. All okay. right, so have at it. Lightning round. Here okay. we go. Okay, this is going to be the Yacht or Not, and I'm going to pose one of the most uh, debated ones, I think. Linda Ronstadt. Let me tell you that it, it's bad. Oh, God, you start. All right, so my gut says yes. It okay. is Yacht Rock. Um but partially that is influenced by the fact that the Eagles played on it, which I do consider Yacht Rock, which a lot of true Yacht Rock fans do not. Do not. So I might be stealing the wrong bass by including it. But again, it's a feel, and it depends on the song for me. But I would say overall, yes. And we do recognize rock. that our artists, not in their entire catalog— no, probably I'll know what artist right. does their entire catalog fit in yacht. Well, we just mentioned just, Do- just Doobie the, Brothers. Yeah. You know, just Eagles the overall sure. reaction. Yeah. Do you consider that person? I'm saying okay. yacht. All right. What are you saying? Um, I'm going to, uh, I wish I hadn't even brought it up now myself. I'm going to say no. Ooh, though not. she's probably my favorite female artist of all time, but no. Really? Um, okay, I have somebody else who's in the same genre, but I'll save her for another future yacht or not. Okay, I'm going to throw one at you, and I think the gut's going to tell you one thing, but I th- I'm here to make the case for the other. All right, so I'm going to be slow to react. It's okay. a song. It's a song. Right? It's a song called Lights by Journey. When the lights go down in the city. What's your gut say? Well, my gut it. says right away, no. Yeah. My gut says no. Um... Uh, Let me make the case. Okay, you make the case, and I'll I'll published in 1978. Right. Okay, so it checks the box from the timestamp. I would consider it a lighter song, so it's not heavier like some of their catalog is. Um, It's got some of the. It's got very lush harmonies. Um, It's not really guitar driven, although there's certainly good guitar work on it, which again is a nice, beautiful guitar solo. Um, And of course, the gimmicky aspect where they reference specifically a body of water. The Bay, yeah. right? And I picture, first of all, whenever I heard the song growing up when you would play it, I just pictured myself overlooking the Bay in San Francisco at sunset and what better kind of feel and how much more yachty can you get? So have I made the case? You've made the case. Um, but, you know, but it's I, still not? No, I'm not going to say not. I'm, I'm going to say I think most people that listen to Yacht Rock don't consider that so- the overall sound of that song to be Yacht Rock. But I will confess that it was probably in many early generations of my personal yacht rock playlist for all the reasons that you said. Yeah. So, okay. 
Okay. Anyway, we're not trying to be the final arbiters, right? This is nope. just uh, our gut feels. No, this is purely how to grow your playlist. It's not about how can we shave things out of it and tell you that it doesn't belong. No way. We're not doing that. Okay, round right. two, lightning round. Now, you're going to go first on this one. This is where we're offering up a buried treasure, something that is in the, that's clearly got everything Yacht Rock, but uh, probably most people don't have it come up on their traditional list. Yes, and I'm for the first one, I'm not going too far off the radar because this was a song, again, I discovered it started being immersed in Yacht Rock in 2015 and 2016, but it wasn't until maybe two months ago in the year 2020 when I rediscovered this for the first time and I was blown away that, how did I not remember or know this song? Okay. And it's Missing You by Dan Fogelberg. What a tune. First of all, you got to make sure you have that in your playlist because the musicianship in it's just outstanding. The subtlety of the drum beat, it's got these little echo yeah, snare things. Yeah. Um, every time it hits the snare, it's just fantastic. I saw somebody post that song recently, and they, you know, their comment on their own post was, you know, proof that Dan Fogelberg wasn't just an acoustic guitar and vocal guy. Yeah. Like, that song rocks. It, it really but rocks. But not so hard that it doesn't fit. I give that a definite yes. And it's another song, too, that, uh, you know, the minute my wife heard, I said to my wife, I said, do you... Do you know the song? She starts singing along yeah. with it. So it's like, yeah, instantly recognizable. How did it take me four or five years to discover is the question. So, I think it was an extra track on a Greatest Hits. I don't know if it was an album track. Okay. I'm, I'm working from memory, so you can. Yep. So that's my buried treasure. I bet you're yeah. maybe a little more obscure. What do you got? Yeah, it's one that we both talked about because we were both shocked by it, and it's from 1982. The album's called Here Comes the Night. The artist is Barry Manilow. Oh, yeah. yeah and it's that song, Let's Get On With It. It's really the only song of its kind on that album, but man, when you hear it, it's got every element of Yacht Rock. It even sounds like uh, Michael McDonald singing the harmonies in the chorus. I can't find any credits. I can find songwriter credits. I can't find any really any musician credits anywhere, but it is a definite Yacht Rock. Well, d- doesn't hit. some of the keyboard action sound a little bit like what he would play? I'm doing it again from memory. When you... Could be. Um, I mean, the, the drums have that groove. Yeah. You know, that shuffle, the guitars have that that snappy muted thing that Lukather does and Jay Graydon does. It's got to be one of those guys. Who knows? But it's it, worth uh, adding it to your list out of an obligation to include Barry Manilow, but without doing Copacabana or something cheesy. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, great buried yeah. treasure. Final okay. round. The final one. Final round. Is so. some uh, song suggestion, something to add to your list, your Yacht Rock playlist that uh, admittedly is... Not a yacht rock artist or a yacht, but uh, or a yacht rock song, right? yeah, because yeah. it could be an artist, yeah, but not one of the staples or anything. But something you want to go first, yeah. I've got, um, uh, I think one of my favorite uh, current female singers is Rumor R U M E R um, from uh, the UK, and uh, her album Seasons of My Soul has a song called Aretha on it, obviously referring to Aretha Franklin. I got Aretha. So smooth, so sweet, and it is a must-have. But why would it not be considered yacht rock? Why is it not? I don't. Well, I don't think rumors at all considered yacht rock. She's, um, you know, it's, like I say, it's way outside the time frame. Um, oh, okay, so out of the time. It's got frame. all the out sophistication the and and all that stuff that you would want. It's just beautiful. It's lush, but I don't think uh, rumor comes up when people start thinking of you know. So mainly because it's out of the time frame. Okay, good. 
And I will add a song that I bet a lot will will get pushback from some because I think most would even consider the artist not to be Yacht Rock, but the artist is often, or at least one song by this artist is always included in things like Sirius XM or, you know, if you put in Pandora, which is Bob Seger's Against the Wind is the song. Mm. I don't know how that fits mm. other than it fits from a time era standpoint. It's kind of light and it's, it's breezy, if yep. you'll forgive the pun. <laughs> My g- theory was always that because it was had against the wind, that people were perceiving that to be, uh, you know... A sailing a sailing, yeah. yeah, sailboat, you know, yeah. against the wind, so they snuck it in there. But <laughs> So if, if that can belong, right, right then right. I think one overlooked... This is a hit, so it's not even obscure, but a song that I just re-fell in love with recently, which is still the same... such an infectious melody and if if for all the reasons that against the wind belongs then still the same should as well it's not i know it's not yacht rock but throw it in your mix no, but one of the boxes love. you're supposed to check with uh yacht rock is the quirky or rye lyrics and so that one certainly got that yes it does yes it does cool well that's episode one we made it through the maiden voyage pun alert yeah we didn't sink yes <laughs> yes yes very good all right. Well, until next time, we will say ahoy polloi, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you on episode two.